Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not even 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Amen. So we've been on this ongoing series talking about I am. Um, Jesus declaring about himself who he is. And I think it's important to know that we may know about Jesus, but there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Amen. And so today we conclude that series. And so let's go to John chapter 15. Bro, you're going to make me sing again. Oh, the earth shall you praise. My heart will. And this is the part where you go. up in here. John chapter 15. When you have it, you can shout amen, or you can look at these screens, and it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Someone shout more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide. Everybody shout abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are far burned. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. I want to just jump real quick, just leapfrog over to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read this this, uh, account from the message translation. It says, as they continue their travel, Jesus entered a village. And a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Anybody ever feel like Martha? You know what I mean? Not me. Not one day, ever. Um, And she stepped in, interrupted them. Master, don't you care that, that my sister has abandoned me or abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. And the master said, Martha, dear Martha, fussing far too much getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and it won't be taken from her. We take a few moments to bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we we thank you, Lord. We are grateful for your presence in this place, God. Lord, I, I I just know it to be true. And your word says it and it affirms it that whether two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us this opportunity to come before your courts, to sing songs to you in your name. 
Father, I pray, Lord, that this word may penetrate our hearts, that it may be much more than information being disseminated, oh God, but it may be a word that transforms our soul. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we already declare, God, in Jesus' name, that Conor McGregor will knock out Floyd Mayweather and give him his first loss. In Jesus' name, amen, and God's people shout. Amen and amen. Can we give God some praise one more time in this place? Come on, crew out. Woo! Um, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, how many of you enjoyed last week's message? I mean, I, I think marriages were saved and rescued last week. I don't know about you, but uh, we have solved the problem with the rolling toilet paper. The roll of toilet paper. We have solved that problem. And continuing in the same angle, today we're going to not only save some marriages and relationships, but I want to take a few moments to help my, my brothers out. Is that all right? Can I help my brothers in the Lord, especially my single brothers? Can I help you out real quick? Is that all right? Do we got some men in the house? Make some noise if you're a man here. Can you make my fellas? Got six guys. Ladies, can you make some noise? They always win, and it's your fault. Fellas, can we make some noise? Hey, we just spoke a different language. Uh, uh, so how many, I, I love that the word of God is powerful, isn't it? The word of God is powerful, but I also understand that the word of a woman is equally powerful. You know what I mean? Um, let, me let me explain to you exactly what I mean, because I want to I teach us a little something today. And there are some words that I've, un, I've learned throughout the years. I've been married, I'm going to go on six years, and I have, I've been a parent for over a day, decade right now. My son is going to be 12 years old. My daughter is going to be nine years old. And I've learned a few things. You know what I'm talking about? Any parents in the house? And so I have learned that men and women communicate differently. Hallelujah. Tell the truth and shame the devil. I have learned that men and women, they communicate differently. I know this thing that I have learned throughout the years that my wife can use certain words and the word actually means the exact opposite of what she's trying to tell me. Let me show you what I mean. Like this word. Can I, can I write it down? This word. Like, throughout the years, I have understood, men, are my fellas here, you here? When a, when a lady tells you she is fine, she is not fine. See, when a woman says she's fine, she's saying, I'm highly disturbed, and it's all your fault, and I want your attention, I want your affection, I want your love, and I want you to figure me out. That's what fine means in translation. Ladies, can I get an amen? I'm trying to help out the brothers. Brothers, I'm trying to help you out right now. Here's another word, ready? When a lady tells you nothing, hey, what's wrong? Nothing. Hey, is everything okay? Everything's okay. Nothing. Nothing means, translation, everything is wrong. And you need to be worried about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How about this one? How about this one right here? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Can I be honest? When a lady tells you, go ahead, you better not go ahead. Because go ahead means you better not go ahead. This is not a permission to do something. It's a dare with severe consequences. <laughs> Fellas, you better not go ahead. Sabes que? You better call me. How, how about this one? Can I? 
Ladies, when a uh, men, when ladies tell you whatever, this is the translation. It means I'm done with you. Forget you. Call me Miss Freeze because I have a nice box where my heart used to be. Whatever. Whatever. I'm done. It's it's over. If a lady tells you whatever, you 911 pass the row. And I got to start intercession, prayer, fasting for you. How about this one right here? <laughs> oh, my goodness. If, if you have an argument with your lady... Ladies, can you, help, can you help me out? I'm trying to help your man out, you know what I'm saying? When a lady tells you, it's okay. Woo! This is like the one. You better pray, you better fast, you better call family, you better write your letters. Because when she says it's okay, it is not okay at all. This actually means I'm gonna think hard and and uh, think hard and long about how and when you will pay for your last mistake. It's okay. It's okay. Yo, John, your wife is clapping mighty hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reason I, I bring these words out is because I think it's important to understand when people use certain words what they're trying to communicate. See, I think it's important that when when um, your wife or your significant other tells you, fine, and you think, oh, yeah, you're fine. No, she's trying to say, listen, everything is wrong, and you better figure it out. I think in the same manner, if you think that when a woman says it's okay, it's okay, trust me, it is not okay. We need to understand the words that are coming out of other people's mouth and understand the translation of what they're trying to communicate. In the same manner, I think this one word... that Jesus is bringing out in this text is this word. Can you guys see this on the board? I have horrible writing. Abide. Everybody shout abide. This word abide, everybody shout abide. Abide is found 10 times in the next 10 verses where Jesus is communicating and all you hear is, I am the vine, you are the branch. Those who abide, shout it out, abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. And I think it's so important because when you hear the word abide, it has some serious ramifications. Because depending if you're abiding or you're not abiding, there's some consequences that you will have to face based upon the understanding and the translation of this word abide. Everybody shout abide. And so in the same way that if you don't understand when your lady is telling you it's okay, that it's not okay, there will be some serious ramifications. This word abide in the original language means this. It means to remain, to continue to stay, to have one's abode, to dwell, to reside. Do you get the picture? It's to remain. This word abide is to continue. It's to stay. I think so many times in a generation and in a culture that is on the go and it is on the constant move, this might be the most difficult thing you may ever have to do, is to remain. <laughs> it's to continue. It's to stay. It's to make your dwelling place. And when I think about this word about, I think about good guests and bad guests. You ever had a bad guest in your house? You know, you know what I'm talking about. They leave the toilet seat up. While you're doing the dishes, they come and bring you more dishes. You know what I'm saying? That's a... That's a bad guess. I, I, I think about my Hispanic heritage, and I think about my daughter who is eight years old, going on nine, and 
I think about the day I always tell her, baby, um, when you get married, she's like, daddy, I'm not getting married. I'm like, you got the key to my heart, girl. You know what I'm saying? And well, you know, the day you get married when you're like 45 or 60, whatever, um, the day you get married, you know, just, just remember that daddy is, comes first, okay? I know it's not biblical, but it's God, you understand. And uh, <laughs> I think about this because uh, my daughter, if she ever brought her boyfriend over in an Hispanic culture, there's something that you're not allowed to do, and that's go in the refrigerator. If you go in the refrigerator on your first time, you might not walk out with a hand. And so I think about this as abide because, let's face it, oftentimes when we tell people to make themselves at home, we don't really mean it. Make yourselves at home. Sure, let me put my feet up. Let me leave the toilet seat up. Let me not to do the dishes, because that's me making myself at home. You know what I'm talking about? That is a bad guess. And I think about this. I also think about how familiar you have to become with someone to actually make yourselves at home. It's not until you're in their house the 30th time that you can actually go in the refrigerator. Any Hispanic know what I'm talking about. Latinos, you know. Emily's like, yeah, I know. Emily, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think about this, right? But I thought about this. It is so true. Like, it is so difficult for someone to genuinely make themselves at home. Because even when we say make yourself at home, we don't mean it. And I thought about this. It is so easy for someone to overstay their welcome. Come on, tell the truth and speak. shame the devil right here. But what I love about what Jesus is actually saying in the original language when he says abide, someone shout abide. abide. What he is saying is the moment that I come into your life, the moment that you say Jesus is my savior, I place my faith in him. You can immediately make yourselves at home in my love. You can immediately make, make yourselves at home in my house. And guess what? You will never be able to overstay your welcome. You can immediately make yourself at home in my love. And so he says, abide. Someone shout abide. And so in this text, what we see is in John chapter 15. Look what it says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I want to stop here because here what we have is Jesus talking about four things here. Don't get quiet on me. We have the vine dresser. Right? We have the vine. We have the branch. And we have the fruit. Everybody shout fruit. And he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the what? The vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Someone shout takes away. Now, here's what I want you to catch, because oftentimes what we do is that we see this word here that says takes away, and we merge it with verse 6. In verse 6, he says, there are branches that are not connected and that are not abiding. Now, there's a difference between a branch that is not connected and there's a difference between a branch that is not bearing fruit. Are you following me? So there's a difference between a branch that is not connected and a branch that is not bearing fruit. In modern translations, what you will see in verse 2 is a, in reality, a poor translation of what the original word actually means. So what you see is this word that says, 
takes away, in some of your modern translations, it'll say cut off. It'll say cut off. But here's the original word that is said in Greek. Someone shout idol. Everybody say idol. 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 Yo estoy cansado contigo, bro. Anyhow, everybody say Iro. Say Iro. We're going to walk out here learning Greek today. Iro. This word in the original language actually means, instead of it actually meaning cut off, it actually means the exact opposite. It means lift up. So when Jesus, in verse 2, he says, can we put verse 2 real quick? He takes away what it actually says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He iro. Someone shout iro. He iro. He lifts up. Now, I don't know about you, but if you actually study ancient gardeners or ancient vine dressers, what you would begin to notice is that they have an amazing relationship. I have towels. I don't know where my, someone put my towels. Do I, do I got towels? Whew. Thank you, my brother. In ancient study, you'll see that a vine dresser actually would never cut off a branch that is not bearing fruit. Did you know that? And so it's not even consistent with ancient history. Because in ancient history, what you would know is that a gardener would actually look at the vine and instead of cutting it off, what it would do, it would idle. It would lift it up and connect it. And if you ever spoke to a vine dresser, what he would tell you, he'll start talking to you about his vines. He'll start telling you how amazing his vines are. He'll start talking about branches that almost uh, weren't bearing fruit and how he rescued the branch and he lifted up the branch and he plugged it into another, uh, of closer to the vine so that the vine will be exposed to the sun and the sun and the rain would come down and wash it off and take care of it. He'll tell you some amazing stories about a vine dresser because the vine dresser actually loves his plants. He loves his vines and he loves uh, any branch even when it doesn't bear fruit and what would happen is is that branches that didn't bear fruit oftentimes would straggle along the bottom of the the vine and so Jesus is actually he's in, he's at his last moments he's about he's headed to the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's walking in and I could imagine the imagery here where Jesus looks at maybe a grapevine and he looks at it and he says, I am the vine. And my father, he's the vine dresser. And those that don't bear fruit, my father lifts up. Why? Because they would get the picture that the father is actually connecting them closer to the vine. Isn't that our God? Isn't that our Jesus? I love it because he's, he's trying to paint a picture. He's not saying that I'm going to cut you off if you bear fruit. Because here's what, if you don't bear fruit, because here's what happens. When we are here trying to bear fruit, we say this, I better start bearing fruit because if not, the Father's going to cut me off. And our motive in bearing fruit is making sure that we're not cut off from the vine dresser. But he's actually saying the opposite to us. He's saying, guess what? Do you feel like you're not bearing fruit? Guess what? My father's going to create paths in your life that are going to bring you closer to the vine. And so what, he would, what he's trying to say, he's trying to pick the picture. He's saying, listen, uh, just like a vine that is on the bottom touching the ground. The father doesn't step on that vine. The father doesn't destroy that vine. The father doesn't cut off the vine. What does he do? He actually lifts up the vine. I thank God that we got a father in heaven that is willing to lift us up when we are down. Maybe your life looks like a life that is not producing fruit right now. And you're saying to yourself, well, how am I going to produce all this joy? How am I going to produce all this love? How am I going to produce all this kindness? Here's what the father is telling you. Maybe you come and you look at something 
someone else and they look like they're having an awesome tree. Oh my God, you got some canepas coming out of you. You got some oranges coming out of you. You got some, oh my God, what about me? I don't got no fruits up in here. Well, guess what, Jesus, if you're at the bottom of the barrel, if your face is touching the dirt, what God does is he comes around with a bucket and he puts some water on you and he washes you up and he lifts you up and he connects you to other vines that are bearing fruit so that one day you can begin to produce your own fruit if you believe that give God some praise in his house that's the Jesus that we that's the Jesus that we serve we serve a Jesus that is a lifter someone shout lifter we serve a God that is a lifter we serve a Lord that is a lifter and maybe you, uh, some people might look at you and they say, bro, do you even lift? And you say, I don't need to lift because I got a lifter of my head. Uh, he went around of all of Jerusalem, all of Judea, and to the ends of the earth doing what? Lifting up people. He lifted up Lazarus when he called them from the tomb. He lifted up Peter's mother-in-law when she had a fever and she was almost dying. And, she, and he lifted up the child that was thrown in the fire by demonic spirits. What did he do? He lifted them up. We serve a lifter. There's no wonder. Makes sense to me now. Makes sense to me now. Why plant lovers are so weird. You ever met a plant lover? I have a plant in my kitchen that's been dying for 15 years. True story. And I'm saying, baby, can we throw out that plant because it's, it's dead? Look, it got, and my wife comes around with a little bucket of water, and she starts wiping the, <laughs> she starts wiping the leaves with her hands. She's like, no, look at it. It's so beautiful. All right, right, baby? Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like. She's like, yeah, look at it, it's so beautiful. And I love it because for me it's a picture of our God that when the enemy comes into your life and says, where's your fruit at? How, you look like you're dead. You look like you got some dirt on your face. God says, nah, look at him, look at him. He's so beautiful. Oh, he's so handsome. Look at him, I, I'm wiping him clean. I'm washing him with the blood of my son. Look at him now. He is the vine dresser. A guy called the doctor and he said, doctor, my wife has been talking to plants. And the doctor said, what's wrong with that? And he goes, no, over the phone. <laughs> See, Jesus doesn't cut you off because of your addiction. He lifts you up out of your addiction. Jesus doesn't cut you off because of your bad habits. He actually lifts you up out of your bad habits. Jesus doesn't cut you off because of your failure, because of your darkness, because of your sickness. No, he lifts you up out of your failure. He lifts you up out of your darkness. He lifts you up out of your sickness. And when you miss the mark, guess what Jesus does? He lifts you up. We serve a lifter. Give God some praise in this house. Idol to to lift up. There's a quote by a, a, a vine dresser. Look at this vine dresser. He says, he says, new branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground. But they don't bear fruit down there. When branches grow along the ground, they, they leave I don't know what that said. The leaves or the leaves get coated in dust. When it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. The branch becomes sick and useless. We do not cut the branch. It's much too valuable for that. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for those branches. We lift them up and wash them off. And then we wrap them around the trellis all to tie them up. Pretty soon they are thriving. Come on, somebody. Uh, Jesus is our vine and his father is our vine dresser. And maybe you're not bearing fruit at this moment, but don't give up because we got a God in heaven that is ready to lift us up.
So what's the answer? If we abide, verse 6, though, says if you're disconnected, if you don't abide. Now, that's, that, that's different from not bearing fruit because you could be connected to the vine and still at times not bear fruit, and that's why God will lift us up. But there's this other idea of abiding where we're, not dis, we're disconnected. And truly so, if a branch is completely severed and amputated from the tree, it is useless. It cannot be put back into the tree. The vine is severed. And so that's when he says in verse 6, he says, man, these, they're just piled up. They, they don't have a purpose. They have disconnected because here's the truth. Apart from your connection to God, life is actually without purpose. Because the only way you can find your purpose is by being connected to God. And so he says, abide in me and you will see that I am also abiding in you. He says, remain in me. Find your home in me. Here's the answer to abiding. is found in the love of the Father. Look what verse 8 says. It says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Look at this, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. Wait, what? Wait, what's the answer? Oh, to remain, to continue, to stay in God's love. He says, look, the way God loves me, this is Jesus, who is the personification of perfection. He is God incarnate. He's saying, you see the way God loves me? I love you. I need my red marker for this. He's saying, God loves me. That same love I love. Here's the love. He said, that's the same love I love you with. Catch this. Look at the foundation of what's happening here. Because oftentimes, hear me, here's what happens. You know what we get focused on? The fruit. But oftentimes we get so focused on the fruit that we forget the root. And here's the root of the vine. He's saying, the way my father loves me, that same love I love you with. Abide. In this love. <laughs> Does that make sense right there? I don't know. I'm looking at it right now and it doesn't make sense to me. He says, abide in that love. And guess what? You're going to start producing fruit. Abide in that love. And you got to focus, write this down, focus on the fruit more than the or focus more on the root than the fruit. And here's what happens. What I do with my eraser. Did it fall on the floor? There it goes. Don't get quiet, Amir. You guys still with me? Let me hear you. Help me preach this message. See, what happens is if, if we focus on the fruit and not the root, if we focus on the fruit and not the root, we enter a mentality of perform or perish. And then we ask the question, well, what does it mean to abide? Because if I don't perform, if I don't abide, if, if abide means to me performance, then my motivation for my performance is not living in the love of God. It's actually perishing. And so why do I got to abide? I got to perform. And that's called religion. 
Religion says perform and you will abide. Hear me. Religion says do, produce, manufacture, but God says focus on my person. Do you follow me so far? And so what we do is that we, we oftentimes, we, we're like, okay, I abide it. This is what we internalize this as. We say, okay, God, I'm going to abide in you today. And so today, whew, I feel real spiritual. I had a good day. Coffee was good. Yeah. Okay. I listened to 45 minutes of Hillsong today. I feel great. And I threw some Kim Walker in there. It's amazing. You know what? I didn't want to read the Bible, but I read it for 32 minutes. And you know how I know that? Because I was looking at the clock. I read the Bible for two minutes. Oh, my goodness. I helped somebody at the grocery store. And so I, I, I did my due diligence in helping someone and serving. And, and then the next day, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And all of a sudden, we're not abiding. Oh, I... I I, I, I said something I should have said. I cursed someone out when I shouldn't have cursed them out. Oh, my God. I wanted to pray, but I didn't pray. Oh, man. What, I wanted to read, but I didn't read. And Oh, man. I started listening to stuff I, I shouldn't listen. I watched six episodes back to back on Netflix. Do you believe that? God, forgive me. I'm sorry. And so this is how kind of we live our, our life. Because one day we are, are abiding... And one day we feel like we're not abiding. Are you following me? And so one day we're holy. The next day we feel like, oh, no, today I didn't abide. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you abide in me always. What do you do when you feel like you're not abiding? Here's what you do. You trust because you can't let your feelings fuel your faith. You can't let your feelings be what dictates. You can't let your performance be what dictates your salvation. What dictates your salvation is not your performance, is his performance. Can I be honest? Can I prove it to you through scripture? Catch this. First John chapter 3, verse 6. 1 John chapter 3, 6. You ready for this? Write this down if you're taking notes. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. No, that's not it. 1 John, 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 says this. It says, whoever abides in me does not sin. What does that say? Whoever abides in me does not what? So if I were to ask, how many people here are abiding in Jesus? We say, yeah, we all got to abide in Jesus. Amen. How many people are sinning? Oh, snap. Hey, hey, can I ask you? Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins neither seen him nor knows him. How's your not sinning life doing? <laughs> right? Because if we think that abiding is performance, then we have to make sure that we are prim and prof proper and perfect because that's what abiding means. But here, I mean, the, the odds are stacked up against us. It says whoever abides in him does not sin. Let's be honest. Some of us sin coming to here. Somebody cut you off. You know what happened. Tell the truth, shame the devil. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Whoever abides in him does not sin, but whoever sin has never seen him or known him. But how could that be if I sin? Does it mean that I'm not abiding in him? Does it mean that I'm not remaining in him? Does that mean that now, because I'm not abiding in God, then I'm going to be cut off. It means that now that I'm not abiding in God, now I'm going to perish. And so I better perform. And so what happens is the church is full of soldiers that are ready to perform out of duty rather than sons who are willing to serve out of delight. 
See, God is not looking for a church filled with soldiers who perform out of duty. He's looking for sons and daughters who will serve out of delight. And so if we get into this mindset, okay, okay. We're just full of illustrations today. Here we go. If I were to ask you, see, if I, if I focus... I think that's spelled right. I want to ask you today, where is your focus? Because if I focus on the fruit, I will produce religion. Just look at your fruit. Look at your fruit. What kind of joy do I possess? See, because oftentimes we try to manufacture a joy that the Bible calls us to do. Watch this. Here's an example. The way I loved you, love one another. Say what? The way I loved you, love one another. What what kind of love you possess? So here's what we do when we hear a message like that. You know what we say? Oh, I got to... And we start creating and manufacturing this kind of love that it is impossible for us to have or for us to produce apart from God. And so when he says, focus on the root, focus on my love for you. And when you focus on my love for you, you will see that you'll start producing fruit in your life and you won't even know it's there. All of a sudden, you'll start seeing the branches thriving, the fruit coming forth, and that vine is thriving like it's never been thriving before. And so I ask you to focus. If I were to ask you, how do I get the air out of this jar? What will you say? How do I get the air out of this jar? Right? That's a good question. And so oftentimes we're looking at our vessel and we're trying to get the air or whatever we don't want inside the jar. And we're trying to get it, but somehow or another, it remains the same. Here's how you do it. You fill it up. Did you catch that? That was a good time to say amen, but I'm going to let you rock. Did you catch that? The way you get what you don't want in your life out is to get filled with more of Jesus. (laughs) See, I realized a long time ago that I don't possess the love that it takes to love the people that God has called me to love. I don't possess the love that it takes to love the wife that God has called me to love. As good as my love is and as good as I can manufacture a love, there's some people that have done me wrong that I know that my love is not that good. So what do I do? I get filled more with his love. And so what does it look like? Oh, man, now I got to forgive. I got to forgive. You know what they did to me? I got to forgive. I don't... I don't pos- I forgive you. I did, I did it, God. I, I, I forgave them. Anybody ever did that? Fine. I forgive you. I for- Fine. There goes that word. It's okay. It's not okay. And so what do we try to do? We try to manufacture this forgiveness that we ourselves do not possess. And we'll never be able to give it to the world until we get more filled with him. God, I don't possess this kind of love, but I know I need to forgive them, and I can't right now. I need more of you in my life. I need more of your grace. I need more of your love. I need more of your forgiveness. Lord, help me understand the forgiveness that you rendered unto me, that you forgave me for my sins, that I should have been dead, that I should have been buried, but you forgave a wretched soul like me. Guess what? All of a sudden, you get so overwhelmed with God's love that you have no choice but to overflow, and now you're 
being so filled with his love that it starts spilling over, that it starts flowing over, and now people get your love, and the fruit stops coming out, starts coming out. Here's another illustration of, of, of focus. Hold your hands together like this. Don't look at your hands. Keep your two fingers apart. Don't look at your hands. We learn it today. Look at the person next to you. Tell them I'm growing. Keep your two fingers apart. Don't look at them. Just keep them apart. Anybody struggling keeping them apart? No, right? Now, I want you to focus on your two fingers. See what starts happening. Does it feel like your two fingers are now pulling towards each other? Do we got a witch doctor on the stage? What happened? See, see, see. Now all of a sudden when you're focusing on it, you're struggling to keep it open. But when you look away, it's not a struggle. See, that's why I don't focus on not sinning. Because not sinning is actually a byproduct <laughs> of abiding. See, because when my eyes are focused on Jesus, I deny myself by nature. When my eyes are focused on God, I don't have to focus, oh, I've got to keep them apart. Look, they, they go together, don't they? And you can't keep them apart. Am I right? Can't keep them apart. But the moment I look away, See, that's why I can't focus on the fruit. I focus on the root. And when I focus on the root, the fruit will come. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, change your focus. Tell them, change your focus. So what does abiding mean? What does abiding mean? 1 John chapter 4. The first, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. The the same person that wrote John chapter 15 also writes this passage in first four, in first John chapter four. Look what it says, look what it says. I, I'm gonna ask everyone to grab your attention here for a moment. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. And what? He and God. Wait, wait, wait. I thought this was way more complicated than this. Whoever what? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You mean to tell me that in order for me to abide in him, it's connected with my confession of who he is? What does abide mean? It means to remain. It means to stay. It means to make it your home. You know what often happens? Is that we confess that Jesus is the son of God and upon confessing that he is the son of God, we think that we take it from there. And so now, it becomes performance and not God's power. And what John is saying in this passage, he's saying this, he's saying, when you confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God, I begin to abide in you and you begin to abide in me. And here's the deal. It never changes from there. What is he saying? Remember that I saved you. What's the key to producing fruit? Keep remembering who I am. Keep remembering that I am the vine dresser. Keep remembering that the way the Father loves me, I love you. Remain in my love. Whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord what happens we confess we come to the altar we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
Okay, God, thank you for saving me. Now it's up to me to bear fruit. It's this. This is what a walk with Jesus looks like. It's not like this. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Okay, now I got to do enough. Now I got to make sure I serve. Now I got to make sure I go to church. Now I got to make sure I got I got I got to produce this joy. I got to love. Oh my God, I got to love Stephanie. Oh man, I got to I got to forgive Sister Sheila. Oh man. I got I Zab. I got to be kind to him and No, no, no. This is what a relationship with God looks like. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. You are the Son of God. You are Lord. You are Savior. Thank you for your forgiveness. Oh, snap. Oh, of course I can forgive you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, you need love? Oh, no, no worries. I'm so caught up in this relationship that you're only going to receive the overflow of this relationship right here. Because here's the truth. If your relationship... Here's the truth. Your relationship with God always spills over to other people. If your relationship with God is not spilling over to other people, then even your own relationship with God is dictated by your performance. And God is saying, when was the last time you learned how to remain in me? Not, not in doing, not in getting done. When was the last time you were able to just sit with me and just stay, remain, abide, confess who I am, talk to me, greet me, be with me. In Luke, in the book of Luke, we have two sisters. We'll put that verse up. And we're done here. We have two sisters in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10. Hear me. And it says, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him. Who welcomed him? Martha. Who opened the door to Jesus? Martha. Who invited Jesus into her house? Martha. But look what happened. And made him feel quite at home. Who did that? Martha. It wasn't Mary. It was Martha who welcomed Jesus into her house. It was Martha who said, Jesus, make yourself at home in my house. It was Martha. She started off right. But look what happened. She had a sister named Mary who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do. She was pulled away by what? By all she had to do. She was pulled away by what? By all she had to do. Here it says in the kitchen, maybe for you it's in your workplace. Maybe for you it's in your family. Maybe for you it's, it's producing the kind of fruit that God calls you to produce. And you're getting pulled away, focusing on the wrong thing. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, didn't you, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're, forcing, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Look what it says, only one thing. One thing only is essential and Mary has chosen it. it's the main course and it won't be taken from her did you catch that Martha was pulled away while Mary was abiding Martha was pulled away by all she had to do while Mary was abiding when was the last time we pumped the brakes in our life and said, instead of focusing on all that I have to do, get done, accomplish, I just need to. 
love it because <laughs> I love Martha, right? Because let's be honest, we all wake up Martha, don't we? We wake up like Martha every day, don't we? Don't we wake up like Martha? Oh my God. I just gotta, I know you're there, God. I just, I just gotta, I gotta get so much done. I gotta, I gotta get the kids to work. I gotta, I gotta go to work. Oh my God, and my boss. And oh my goodness, now I gotta go to church and I gotta serve and I gotta, I gotta love people. Oh, who got time to love people? I just gotta go. Oh my God, now they cut me off and they gave me the, the universal sign to tell me no that I'm number one. And I, now I gotta curse them out. And okay. Martha, Martha. <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? Martha, Martha. You're getting worked up over nothing. How insulting, right? Excuse me? You calling everything I got to do nothing? Oh, man. No, what he's saying is this. That the sum total of all you're trying to accomplish apart from me equals When you get to the end of the finish line of everything you want to accomplish, you'll look at it and be like, what did I accomplish? When you missed out on the most important thing, abiding in me. See, oftentimes chasing the thing that we want most in life, we lose who we are. And the only, the only way we will remain in, uh, true to who we are is abiding in him. I am the vine. You are the branch. Forget about being. Forget about doing. Learn how to be. I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay. I'm going to continue. The Bible says that the same, listen to me, the same grace that saves you is the same grace that helps you grow. How do you abide in God? Confess that he is the son of God. How do you abide in God? Begin to rehearse, recount, review everything about God and who he is in your life. Sometimes, let me tell you, Kuwait, can I be honest? Sometimes it's frustrating to know that you have so much to do and you are just staying in God's presence. guilty of that I've been I've been so guilty of getting so much done and at the end of the day forgetting the most important thing not realizing watch this that when I remain in him I live a life of abundance I'm a better husband I'm a better father I'm a better pastor I'm a better friend Sometimes I, I stay an, an hour before the presence of God. And sometimes I don't even have words to say. And sometimes the worship music that's playing in the background is singing the songs of my soul because I can't utter them with words. And I just say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. I just want to be in your presence. Even if we don't say a word, I just want to be near We hope you, you enjoyed this podcast. You know Our exactly mission here at Christ and Sensitive House of Worship is to love God, love, love people, and they don't love have to life. Say a word. You How is a place where our story them. is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do. If this message has hey, encouraged you, you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you abide in advance in for your support and generosity. And he Come in you. and begin a whole new journey. That's with not us. a threat. That is actually a promise. He says, You abide in me and I abide in you. You could place all your unforgiveness on me and I'll place my forgiveness in you. You can place all your anger on me and I will place all my love on you. You can place your sickness in me because I'll take it up on the cross and I will place my healing in you. You are abiding in me and I'm abiding in you. If you believe that, I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet and begin to worship God. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. 
If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.